everybody. It's Larry Lawton here with the Real Deal Podcast with Larry Lawton. This is going to be fun. You just got me today on this beautiful Monday morning, and I wanted to get get right to things that, that hit me over the weekend, and I thought I'd talk about them today. All right. First of all, thank you all very much. I hope you're liking the podcast the way I do it. I bring in guests from Ben's and my brother, and I'm have a whole bunch of other guests. We sit in here, and we rap. And like I said, this is the real deal. Which, which means this is just what it is. No cutting, no editing. I tell people who come here, be careful what you say because I don't edit and I'm not going to hold you to anything like that. I'm not going to say to you, oh, you shouldn't say that and then cut it. No, this is it. If you can't come here and be who you are and still be a good person, maybe we don't want you here on this podcast. Anyway, with that said, let's jump right into the weekend. First of all, had a great weekend myself. Uh, it was an emotional weekend for me. You know, 9-11 has always been an emotional weekend for me. And uh, it's an emotional weekend because my dad built the World Trade Center. You heard last podcast we talked about, uh, on Friday's podcast, we talked about the World Trade Center with my brother and uh, Ben's. And, and it's really very powerful to me because that's one of those incidents, you know, you never forget where you were when it happened. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. Even with young people, you're going to realize, oh, man, I never will forget when that happened, whether it was the Challenger in 86, which was the shuttle that blew up, or wherever you were when X amount of things happened, 9-11 and the Challenger, certain things happened in this world that you will never forget. And, I mean, it's not just me. I got a great memory, but that is exactly what happened. So it was a pretty emotional weekend, but I also celebrated you know, being able to do what I do. Uh, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky to have uh, YouTube and the platform and the reality check program that I try to help people with and speaking around the country. And I do a whole bunch of other stuff, as you all know, that uh, I think is very important for people to know, uh, you know, what can happen to you if you make bad choices. That's my ultimate goal. I often look at people and say, you know, we got what happens if you know, I never tell a person what to do, and it goes for anything. I don't care if it's drugs or, or alcohol or uh, bad choice making, you know, you're having issues. I don't say what not to do or what to do. That's not my place. All of the people who listen to this should at least understand right from wrong, and if they do, they're going to realize later down the line that they were wrong. Or, and that's okay because I know I was wrong back in my day. I mean, I was I was wrong all the stuff that I did, all the stuff that happened when I was younger and living that crazy life. And it is what it is. I'm not regretting anything. You know that it is. It's not a regret. It's a would you do things differently? And I think everybody would. But, you know, uh, on this podcast today, on this Monday morning, I want to start the week off by talking about something that's very important to me. And that's, of course, prison reform and not only prison reform, what happens in prisons and jails. And I think that's just so important because, you know, it's a it's a part of the population to over two million. Think of that over two million people and they don't have a voice. Uh, it's sad. I think they need a voice. I think it's important that we give them a voice because just because they made bad choices or whatever happened doesn't mean one, they're not human beings. They are. Doesn't mean we should abuse them and and do things to them that are dead wrong, which it happens every day in some prison around the country. Right now, right now, today, there's somebody being abused in a prison 
whether it's by an inmate or a guard or whatever. But I'm going to read to you a uh, email that I received. And obviously, the person wanted to change the name and didn't want to give a location. So, But I'm just going to read it because I think it's very important. And I think it's uh, people need to hear this. It says, hello, Larry Lawton. I've recently watched your video on the whole, and it reminded me of someone I got to know about a year back, especially the cruel and unusual punishment. Now, I'm, going, I'm not going to say any names here, as he gave me the okay to tell the story, but without any of the names involved, including where this all happened. But I can say this was in the United States. Let's just call him MJ. MJ was spent... A good time, good time of 24 years in prison for various accounts of major fraud. He got involved when he was younger. He was pretty good at, at it, but he never really felt good doing that sort of stuff. So he managed to quit all of that. Two years later, his granddad passed, and he found an old M1911 pistol that was unregistered in the attic when, he, when going through stuff. When MJ wanted to register it, they dug up some stuff about his past, and he ended up in prison. He told me that of all the gangs in prison, the guards were the worst one. One time, a guard squad of four to five men approached him, and they wanted him to do a favor regarding the captain's taxes. Basically, they wanted to abuse him to get rich easy. Now, at first, they offered him stuff, money, outside cigarettes, lots of them, or even a call or cell with privacy benefits. After not complying, he got thrown in the hole for disrespecting a guard. They asked him every day if he'd be down to do it now, but he kept saying no. So after spending two and a half weeks in the shoe, they decided to step up their game. At roughly 2.30 a.m., MJ was awoken by the sound of metal hitting the floor. Seconds later, the whole room felt as bright as the sun and his ears felt like they had been ripped off. Unable to see or hear, he rolled out of bed and onto the floor, where he received a thorough beating and was blindfolded. They put MJ on his feet and walked him out of the shoe down the hallway. He kept asking where they were going, but never did any of those that did this speak a word. He was brought into a room, and the door shut closed behind him. He was sat down on a chair he, re he reminds as being really uncomfortably large. They restrained his legs and his arms. Then there was complete silence in the room. He asked what was going on, where he was, but no one responded. His head was suddenly pulled back against the lean of the chair and also restrained with a leather strap. He heard dripping water and felt a chill go through his entire body. MJ was sitting on the electric chair. He fought fiercely against the restraints as he felt cold water running off the sponge and over his face. His last scream was then silenced with a gag, and the metal cap was fitted to his head. Everything went quiet again. All that could be heard was him sobbing and people walking off. He doesn't know for how long he was in that chair, but he knows that, in his mind, it was forever. He was removed from the chair and escorted back into his normal cell, still blindfolded. He had literally pissed himself and was shaking all over. They never talked. He never got any idea of how many they were. They made sure they never gave themselves away. But he knew there was just no proof. This is, up until now, the cruelest form of punishment for non-compliance I've ever heard, and I really hope you can make a difference in the American justice system. Sadly, everybody, sincerely, the person who wrote this to me. 
sadly, that happens more than you think. He was probably put into what they call a restraint chair. I don't know if it was the electric chair. I doubt that very seriously. But they put him in a restraint chair. When they put you in a restraint chair, they do your legs, your arms, your head, everywhere, and, you, and even your chest, which I didn't hear him say that. They put you that chair where you can't move. I am got the chills on my arms right now because it's that, uh, you know, reminding to me. I was never in a restraint chair. I was on a slab where I was strapped down naked, beaten, tortured, and pissed on by guards. <coughs> and that's in my book, Gangster Redemption. But getting back to his story, it does not surprise me that this stuff goes on. Uh, we have an unchecked prison system. Uh, people will say, oh, we're putting all the checks and balances. We can. No, you don't. There is ways to fix the prison system that I have. And all the government has to do is listen. But do they? No, they don't want to change the prison system. The prison system is exactly the way they want it. They control it. The money is there. The lobbyists are there. They're paying these uh, uh, congressmen and senators. And I read a great article on this, and they're paying them in, in cryptocurrency. How do you track that? You can't. So I'm sure a lot of these congressmen and senators and stuff are getting their lobbyist money and everything else in cryptocurrency. What a smart way to pay them. And those guys, no way to track it. They have a, what they call a wallet. And before you know it, they're very wealthy. And, uh, uh, you know, that's just numbers, man. You can't tell me how guys go to Congress, make $168,000 or $70,000 a year, and all come out worth $5 million, $7 million. What, great investments? Yeah, okay. Uh, they're supposed to support two houses, one in D.C. and wherever their home state is. They do a whole bunch of stuff. Obviously, we know that a lot of this is just smoke and mirrors. Congress has become a job, not a not a uh, a way to help the public or do public service is what it was meant to be. It has become a job, and all they worry about is getting elected for their next term. And that's just not me saying that. That's a lot of people saying that. But I'm getting into the prison abuse stuff. Well, what's sad to me is how much abuse is going on and people just don't know or don't care. You know, it, it, it makes me hurt inside to know that people have the, the heart or soul. I mean, good people probably, you, they're your neighbors, they're a guy who works at the local prison and stuff, and he goes and his kids go to your school. And these guys, for some reason go in there and they lose their soul. And I don't know how many guards I've spoke to, and I mean a lot, ladies and gentlemen. I mean a lot of guards I've spoke to that, that had to quit the profession, and I'll have them come on here, and they say how corrupt the whole system is. And this is from guards now, not inmates. Now, inmates obviously know how bad it is because they live it and they have to survive it. And if they get out, you're lucky if they're, they're mentally enough... Uh, together to make it, you know, I was talking to somebody today and we were, uh, yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, Larry, that's true, but you're just one in a, you know, one in a million that can get out after going through you what you went through and you survived it. I mean, it's very few people, they see, you know, and that is true to a most point. A lot of people do get out, they make it. I don't know how deep they get back into drugs or crime or whatever they do before they get caught or don't get caught or get killed or, uh, you know, do make it. I, I want to applaud all the people out there. And I know there's a lot of guys that uh, email me and 
hit the comments that they've done time. And I'm so proud when I read those. And the guy, you know, says, you know, I was in prison 10 years ago and I could tell you this happened to me or this happened. And wow, Larry, I'm glad you're putting a light onto this, but they've made it. My first response to all of those online is, congratulations. I'm glad you're out. I'm glad you're reading this. I'm glad you're watching the videos. And I'm glad you're, you're, you're doing well, because I do hope they're doing well with just getting on with their lives. Now, there's very few that will become an advocate like me who, yes, I have had things happen to me here right in where I live and my office and everything else that people wouldn't know about, like you guys, but things that were bad. And I'm always on guard. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, I have a good relationship with the police department where I live, but there are outside agencies that I might not have a great relationship with. And do you think I trust them in any any way if I got pulled over? I mean, I'm now I bought one of those, uh, you know, dash cams things that records the front of the car, the in the car and the recording. And I'm always ready to just turn that on if I get stopped because I'm not going to, one, give up my rights. Any rights I have, I'm not giving them up, period. Not just to comply, not to just, oh, don't, you know, escalate the situation. I'm not going to do anything to escalate the situation. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to talk like a, a, a respectful person. And I hope they respect me and talk the right way to me. But I know my rights. I know what they can and can't do uh, to me from the car or as a driver and license or if I'm out on the street. I, I implore everybody here to know their rights, their first, second, fourth, fifth, and eighth amendments. That That's the main ones that really deal with important stuff. Uh, and I think you guys, everybody should know them, whether it's the first amendment, which I'm a big, big believer in, and they have these first amendment audits and they, these young people go around and test them and somebody says, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't support that. They should just give their ID to the cop. No, they shouldn't. The minute we start giving up rights, they take a little more. They take a little more. They take a little more. You know, I have my views on the vaccine, which I, I am double vaxxed. Everybody knows that, I think. But if, if you don't want to get vaxxed, that's up to you. I'm, I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to... Uh, uh, tell you you're an idiot or something. I might have really good, strong points, and I hope you listen, and I'll listen to yours wherever you get your information and stuff. But we're such a polarized country at this point. It's sad that it has to go to a left-right issue when it should be a health issue. You know, we talked about uh, uh, on the last podcast, during 9-11, the country came together, like, you know, really strong. I, I mean, seeing people hugging each other and, and helping and helping in other ways that you wouldn't even believe. But, I, I mean, that should happen all the time. It shouldn't happen because of a tragedy. And I hope it doesn't take another tragedy or a world war or something of that nature to bring this country together. Because that's sad. We should come together because we feel that our rights, our rights, our First Amendment, Second, Third, whatever, there's 27 amendments to the, you know, uh, the Constitution. We had the, the Bill of Rights is the first 10, and then we had 17 amendments attached we should respect those. People should respect those. Every single police officer should know them. They should know at least the first, second, fourth, fifth, and eighth amendments. They should know or have a card in their pocket so they could look at them and say, wait a minute, am I violating this guy's rights? You as a police officer do not have the right to stop a guy in the street who's walking down and say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Hey, give me your ID card. No, give me your ID, no. No, you're not getting my ID card. 
I live in America. I don't have to give you my, do you suspect me of a crime? Did I commit a crime? Are you going to arrest me? No, no. Then get out of here. You have no right to take, ask me for my ID. Just because you wear a badge doesn't make you better or, or have the authority to abuse my rights. Now, obviously, they intimidate. They, they come in force. You'll see a person will get pulled over, and you'll see four or five cop cars. Funny, a person talked to me the other day. He goes, hey, Larry, I was pulled over. Listen to this. I was pulled over for a license plate light. I said, yeah, sure. And then, I mean, okay. I don't even believe you should be able to pull over somebody for that. I really don't. I think they should, with today's technology, you want to take a picture of it, send me a warning or send me something in the mail, and you'd be done with it. Nobody gets uh, hurt. Nobody has to have a confrontation of something like that. I personally don't believe cops should have the right to pull you over unless you're a danger to community. Unless you're a danger to community. If you roll a stop sign, they can take these front cams, they can take a picture, they could give you a ticket in the mail, or they can give you a warning in the mail, say, hey, listen, you did this at this day, here's the picture, and make sure you know you don't do it again. If we catch you again, we're going to give you a ticket. When they pull that, that, that license plate, they'll know who owns the car, if it's wanted, a lot of things they're going to know. And that alone, to me, I think is a violation, but they do it. You'll see them, they, have, they, have, they call them license plate readers right on cop cars. I don't know why they're so uh, hyped to just, you know, get you. It's like, it's like us against them. And I, and I blame the cops on that part because they don't need to do that. They, I mean, you want to say, I always watch, I know this is going to sound crazy. I watch Mayberry RFD, if you guys watch that. I mean, stupid shit. I know I'm old, but I watch Andy Griffin and Barney. I said, what a town to live in. The sheriff has no gun. The, the, the dumb deputy has a gun but a bullet in the top pocket. I mean, who's he going to hurt? And, you know, it, it really is a town where people are just, they respect the cops, they come in and talk to them. That's the old, you know, town cops that I, I would love to see more of. Now you get people who are cops saying, oh, that's the old days, you can't do that. People are going to shoot you, they're going to do this. You know, yes, there's bad people in the world. But, yes, there's bad cops in the world. So let's take them both out of the equation. Let's just take them both out of the equation. When I call a police officer to this house, I hope they come here and they try to help me. They don't try to jam me up because they found weed in my car house. I have a license anyway, so you can't do that. But, I mean, whatever they want to try to do, I, I disagree with that 100%. They should come here to want to help me and become friends and maybe go back and forth, secure my house. Help me in ways that I maybe can't do. You know, I respect good cops. I really do in a big way. But, I, I, you know, the bad cops sadly outweigh the good cops. And that alone says something because that's that, oh, you know, I'm not going to go against my brother. I'm not going to go against my brother in blue and, and say it. And they know the guy beats people. I've talked to so many cops. And they'll all say to me, yeah, well, I do know a person who did this, that. What did you do about it? Uh, what do you want me to do, you know? I don't want to be outcast in the police department. I don't want to do this. And I get it. But is this the profession you want to be in? Do you want to back up the cop that's beating a kid or beating a person because he can and he can get away with it? I hope you don't. I hope anybody who's a cop out there, and I know there's a lot who listen to me, and they also agree that I'm right. See, cops, I always say it should truly, truly, cops should police themselves first. Police yourself first. 
you know, I'd love to go by and, and watch cops getting off duty, follow them and see how many laws they break. Are they speeding? Are they going through a stop sign? Are they rolling through this stuff? All the stuff that they get you for, I want to see how many do it. I'm not going to do that because I, I don't got time to do that. But it happens. I mean, I, I see videos all the time. I've been on the highway and put on a camera and the cop is going 85 miles an hour, going nowhere, and just 85. Why can he go 85 and I can't? Obviously, I'm a fast driver. So obviously, usually what I do is I get behind him and follow him for a while, and that's it. You know, I, I'm going 85 with him. What is he going to stop and say, hey, you're going 85? Well, I'm following you. But, that I mean, I know that's right. You know, not right, but it is what it is. And I, I look at cops differently than most people. I, I respect them, but I also test them. Or I want to make sure they know their rights or my rights and they know how to apply the law to those rights. That's what this is all about. Now, let's take it to the prison system. The prison system is the problem because there is no, and I mean zero, oversight. They have, in prisons, they have what they call an SIS, Special Investigating Service, whatever the hell they call it. And it's all bullshit. It's a cop within the prison. Now, some SIS will, you know, they have arrest powers, actual arrest powers. So those guys can actually arrest cops, and they do, well, I call them cops, again, arrest guards, and they'll arrest guards, you know, for taking stuff into the prison, or arrest guards for whatever they do. But do they really, really want to get the administration in trouble of that prison? No. So the wardens, the wardens of these prisons are totally unchecked. They are like kings in their own castle with zero Hear what I just said? Zero checks on themselves. Now, you'll hear somebody say, oh, no, no, they have the ACA, the American Accreditation Association, ACA, American Accreditation Association. They come in and they make sure the prison is run right. What a bullshit thing that is. First thing they do is they know when they're coming, so what do they do? They have the in inmates painting and cleaning, and they give the good food the day they're here. They it's such a bullshit thing. We used to laugh about it. Because it's not true. They'd have to have surprise inspections when they, when I see people in the hole, you know, putting feces on themselves and going crazy. And the mental people, they stick in the corner of the hole and they don't let uh, uh, inspectors go down that tier. Uh, I've, I've actually heard them say, oh, this tier is under construction. And there's people on that tier way in the back. So they can't go there. It's hazardous material. I've heard all the fucking bullshit in the world about what goes on in, you know, these ACA, ACA inspections, which is bullshit. You have to have an independent organization who answers to either the governor or the attorney general of the United States, and that, that uh, independent agency or group of people can go into any prison and go inspect that prison without notice. Hear what I said? I'm not telling you I'm coming. I'm showing up on a Sunday night. And I'm getting in that prison. And the minute they deny me, somebody should be fired. But you end up going into that prison and you find out. You can talk to inmates. I know I could. You get a guy like me, I could talk to inmates and then protect them by making sure we call, have, have somebody call, see where they're at, if they need to be transferred or whatever else it is to protect that man who, who blew the whistle on that prison. You know, when I found out, when I... Uh, interviewed Gary Massey. Gary Massey's a great guard that I know when I was at Jessup, Georgia. He's a good dude. He really is just a good guy. 
Well, Gary was telling me that wardens, wardens, and I didn't know this, get bonuses for how much money they save. So what do they do? They cut the food a little bit. They cut programs. They even cut guards. He was a union guy, and he was telling me they'll cut shifts. They'll cut stuff to save money because the warden gets a bonus. Here's the sad part of all of that even. They go, and I was in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and as I tell people, the worst prison system in the world is the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I know everybody says, oh, the states are worse. No, they're not. Here's why. I'm not talking about a camp where a guy goes for, you know, writing checks or some bullshit or a doctor doesn't pay his taxes or whatever bullshit it is they put someone in prison for. I'm talking about hardened criminals, the big time, the drug lords and the hitmen and the mafia guys. They were all in federal prison and maximum security prisons, and, and it's the worst of the worst because you got nothing coming. They don't care how much money you got. They will transfer you thousands of miles from your home. You know what I said? Thousands of miles so nobody can visit you. They don't give a shit one bit. Now, what happens is these wardens, they run their prisons, and what do they do after that? The warden that I, I, I dislike a lot is a guy named Lamana, John Lamana, and I sued him, and he's a, he's a piece of garbage. He was a in Edgefield when I was there. And you know what he does now? I looked him up. He works for private prisons. I mean, think of that. Of course, you get out of the Bureau of Prisons, you do your 20 years or whatever you do, and you go right into the private prison industry making big money and probably stocks and everything else. And 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 they're, and they're guys who just know how to beat the system. They know the laws. They know what they can and can't do to people. So listen, are there good wardens? I am sure there are. I am sure there are. Are there scumbag wardens? Abso-fucking-lutely. There are scumbag wardens out there. And it's a shame because there's young people going to prison thinking, okay, I made my mistake. I want to try to straighten my life out. And there's no straightening your life out in there. I mean, you're in a gang. You're, you're either approached or you're threatened or you're intimidated. There's so much stuff happens, especially to young people who cannot handle it. They are not built for it. And sadly... It's going on every single day. And that's why one of my goals when I got out of prison was to try to help people from one, not going to prison, opening eyes like I'm doing here on this podcast or on my YouTube channel up to the horrors and the truth about prison. I will sit here across from this table and have any warden or any guard or anybody debate me or sit here and discuss prisons with me because I listen I am a total listener, and I will totally hear them out, and I hope they hear me out, because I'm coming from a place where abuse happened uh, all the time. I saw it firsthand. I felt it. I was involved in, in being abused. I know what happens, and can't deny that. I, I know, oh, that's a few bad apples. No, it's happening more and more, and, and the more you hear about it. I mean, when I did a, a video on prison guards, and I found out what... I think it was uh, Missouri has the highest guards on inmate rapes. You know what I just said? Guards on inmate rapes, 11% for women. Think of that. 11 out of 100 women are raped in prison by a guard in, in that one area. That, that, that's absurd. You know, I can't stand rape or uh, intimidation or abuse of people who are can't defend themselves because they're in a prison or they handcuffed or they're, uh, you know, got five guards on. You can't fight them. I tried. You can't fight that many people. I don't care how tough you are. 
I don't care how much of a badass you think you are or are. It does not matter. You cannot be five guards. They come in and they come in with shields or they come in with the batons or they come in with uh, shock things with the shields or shock or they'll come in with a congression grenade or they'll come in with mace. They have everything going for them and but pretty much no risk in that regard. Obviously, they're going to say, oh, this is a dangerous. Yes, there's dangerous people in prison. Nobody is saying there isn't. Prison is a bad place. I often talk about there's people in prison that I hope they never get out because those prisons are psychopaths. Those people will kill and murder someone within six months or a year of getting out. They'll have no hope and they don't give a shit about prison and they're going to kill you, the neighbor. Why do I talk about rehabilitation so much? I want the guy that gets out who has hope, who cares and he wants to be a part of the community and he's not ostracized. And yes, he made his mistakes and yes, he just paid for them. But you know, in a lot of countries around the world, when you do your time, take Israel, when you do your time in Israel, after you get out, you have 100% rights. You are just like a regular person from a gun to rights to voting to whatever it is, you have them. And a lot of countries are like that. Sadly, the United States isn't. And how sad is that when the United States of America, supposedly this compassionate, great country, is so against trying to help people get back on their feet. That's just a word of compassion. That's why it pisses me off to no degree when I hear the United States talk about any other country with human rights. You know, clean your own house up before you talk about another country's human rights. Just clean your own house up. That's all I'm asking. Clean your house up. You know, supposedly, and I always say supposedly, because are we the greatest country in the world? I don't believe in all that bullshit anyway. I think we're a country, and I love my country, but let's straighten it out. We are not a perfect country. We do a lot of things messed up, and I think that's wrong. I don't care if it's the wars or it's the money. You know, it's like any other country we live in. I mean, we supposedly have a democracy that, you know, you can grieve. It's just the First Amendment, but people don't get the First Amendment. You know, it has a right to address grievances. Yes, with your government, address grievances. The minute you do that, forget in prison, I guess you don't have any rights in prison. And I don't know how good that is. I don't think, I think that's wrong. You're showing people that you're subhuman. You know, you're treated like people who, sadly, uh, slaves back in the way day, they were not human. They weren't treated as human beings. And how wrong is that? How wrong? And that, those are people who didn't do a thing wrong. And they're treated like that. And it's happened for a lot of generations and a lot of eth ethnic groups that come to the United States. They're not treated like you know, a regular citizen of the United States. Now, obviously, a lot of that was you know, very, very long time ago. But look at today. If you just look at our prison system in the United States when we have 5% of the world's population, only 5%, maybe even less, but we have 23, 24% of the world's prison population. If numbers don't mess your head up, that should, because that alone says we are doing something wrong. And it's not like we have zero crime. Okay, we got big prison population, but go to America, there's zero crime. Well, that's not the case. You know, crime is everywhere, you know, and that to me is a sad state of America, you know, and I thought about it this whole weekend after 9-11. And, you know, 9-11, like I said, was very powerful to me 
because I have a roots in it. My dad built it, and I was on top of the World Trade. I had uh, friends in the World Trade Center, and uh, you know, it really hits home to me when you know pe people like just are blindly just okay. Let's agree. Let's agree. Listen, I don't agree with insurrections. I don't agree with uh, people doing like a Branch Davidian and keeping people without, in their will and nobody doing anything about it. But I think we as a country need to step back and look at what our whole entire system is built on. And if it's built on the Constitution, then they start, start learning the Constitution. You know, you didn't have police running rampant and you didn't have... Uh, and the reason today, in fact, we have so many militant groups and anti-government groups and stuff is because the police have become a gang, if you want to call them. And again, I know I sound like I'm vilifying the police. I'm really not. I'm vilifying the system that says, here's this 22-year-old kid who could put on his lights and siren and pull me over for whatever he perceives as a wrong. Listen, he is stopping me, he's stopping my liberty, my liberty. And getting out, and if he's talking to me like a jerk off, who does he think he is? You know, they come up to your car and they come up and say, license or registration. Like, who the fuck are you? I mean, how about talking to me like a respectful person? I'm a you know older gentleman now. How about talking to me like I'm I'm a normal person, not like I'm some scumbag? I know I've been pulled over since I've been out, and it's amazing because I know they looked at my record. I know they look there and they look, they don't, they don't look at Larry and say, oh, wow, Larry's actually an honorary police officer. Larry was recognized on the floor of the United States Congress. Larry's done a lot of good with the reality check program that some agencies use and we're trying to help people because there's great agencies out there. They don't look at that. They look at him, oh, he's a threat to me and, and you know, get out. I remember one time I was coming over the bridge here in where I live and I uh, get pulled over. Sure enough, I get pulled out of the car. Cop puts handcuffs on me, freaking me out, because he knew my record and he thought I was a danger. Now, they can do that. Where in the world is that right to take and put handcuffs on somebody for your safety? I am I that big of a threat? I mean, I had no gun, no, you know, come out, you know, gun, knife, anything. Just my record. Well, let's do that for everybody who's six foot six and 300 pounds, because he can rip your head off. Let's take that guy out at gunpoint and put some cuffs on him before we, you know, talk to him. Because that's what we need to do. That's bullshit. If you're a cop and you're scared, don't be a cop. That's number one. Don't be a cop. Now, with all of that said again, there are cops that treat you like right the right way. And I applaud them. If I get stopped, I got stopped here by a cop. I had to be 22 years old, 23 years old. And we'll come coming around a bend and... Uh, he said, listen, he says, I'm going 36 into 25. Okay, I'm good. This is what he says. Now, I have a radar detector. I have all this shit in my car, so it doesn't go off, and it's a laser. It's the whole works. It doesn't go off. So I'm thinking, this is bullshit, number one. I knew where it was. There was a speed trap area, which I disagree with. That's just a ticket place for the city to make money. Well, anyway, he pulls me over, and over his loudspeaker, I'm in, I'm in the car, and uh, I got my girlfriend with me on, in the right seat, and all of a sudden, he says, go to the bridge and pull over. Oh, he actually said, go over the bridge and pull over. There's a bridge where I am. So I go over the bridge, 
pull over to the right on the on the you know the area, and he the first thing he comes up to the car and says, "Why'd you go so far?" I said, "You told me to go over the bridge." He goes, "No, I didn't." Well, my girl in the right hand uh, seat says, "Officer, you did. You told him to go over the bridge, whether he thought he did or not." And that's what we heard over the loudspeaker. So he takes my license. He goes back to the car, writes me a ticket for going thirty six and a twenty five. I take the ticket and I fight the ticket and I win the ticket because first of all, I said, "Did you calibrate your your gun? Did you calibrate your uh, your uh, speed gun?" You have to calibrate it. They have to not only has to be has to be calibrated so often before they start setting up and doing shooting you with a laser. They have to do it and make sure it's working right then and there. And they have to log that. So if you ever get it, also they were on private property. Now, do they have a letter from that private property saying I have permission to trap people? Because that's what you need. Sure enough, they don't. And I said also, I don't believe you ever even had it. And he looked at me. I said, so I want to see all those stuff before we go, we go to the court. Because he called me out. He wanted to just say, all right, we're not going to do this ticket. You know, you're just going to pay the fine, no points. I said, no, no, I ain't paying anything. So I told him before we got to the court. So after I mentioned all this, he goes, well, I said, well, listen, we're going to dismiss it because we're going to trial right here. We're going in front of the judge. We're going to do our case. And I want to see all your paperwork. I want to see your calibration. I want to see your letter from the property. I want to see everything. Sure enough, he goes, oh, we'll just dismiss it for lack of evidence. Yes, we will dismiss it for lack of evidence because you don't belong doing that to people. Now, most people pay the ticket and just go on their way and chalk it up to, you know, go and do a driving school so they don't get points. And it's all a money grab. It really is. It's a money grab. And especially in these little towns, this was a little town. Listen, the town has, I don't know, 4,000 people in it, has, I don't know, 10 cop cars, you know what I mean? 20 cops in the whole precinct, you know, and they pull you over to get money. It's exactly what they do. They literally pull you over to get money. Think of that. How would you like to be driving into a place and they can just pull you over and say, ah, let's get a ticket? If that's not un-American, if that's not being free, I love people. Oh, America's the freest country in the world. First of all, not the freest country in the world. There are 190 free countries and what we have 200 and something countries in this world and 190 are free i mean it, tell me the ones that aren't free north korea china uh i don't, I don't even know if china has these kind of restrictions but there you know it, it's a lot of bullshit i mean of course some of the islamic countries you're, you're not as free as you think you are but in the united states france germany italy spain canada ireland uk mexico all of these countries are free. Do what you want. Be respectful. Cops don't even carry guns in most of these places. Think of that. Now, some people say, well, they're not as, as uh, you know, we don't, we have more problems. We're bigger. We have 350 million people. Add up those countries, you got a lot more than 350 million people, number one. And besides that, what does that have to do with treating the people the right way? If we didn't have such a messed up prison system, we wouldn't have felons running around the streets who don't care anymore because they know if they ever get arrested again, they're never getting out of prison and they're gonna live their lives like an animal. Think of that. You know you're gonna be living like an animal if something happens, even the minus thing, and you can't prove it. Are you gonna be laying down and say, okay, I just wanna go live like an animal? No, you're gonna fight. You're gonna do what it takes. I get 
why things happen out there. I think it's, it's, it's inherent on all of us, and mostly law enforcement, to recognize that. Now, I'm going to... Listen, I invited the police chief of, of Palm Bay, Florida, on my podcast. He said he's going to go. I know him pretty well, Nelson, and Nelson Moya, and he's a pretty good cop. I mean, I, I approached him a pro over a year ago now about body cams, and he, they said they were going to get him and all that. They don't have him yet. They don't have him yet. Now, is it money? Is it bullshit? It's time. Come on. You can get the funding. You can go to COPS. It's called Community Orientated Policing Services, a federal agency, and get funds. You don't even have to have grant writers anymore because the government took that out of it. I, I was there when they did it. I used to use the, the COPS program for funding for the reality check program. And if you're small enough and you don't have grant writers as a police department, you say to them, call them, say, listen, we're a small police department. We need cameras. They'll send them to you. They'll send you the money to get them. They'll send you everything. They have the funding, so it's not a funding issue. It really isn't. Is it a manpower issue? Absolutely. They got to hire people, you know, to look at these things, to get the servers right, and then maybe block people's faces out. But I still think at a year, it's out of line. Because what's going to happen in that year? I don't know what's been going on. I hope that the chief has got a handle on thing, and I believe that if I went to this chief, he would look into something. But he's going to get his office's word. Oh, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Now, who's he going to believe? He's just going to what? Do what? How do you check on that if you don't have a camera on the cop? How do you check on him? There's no way. How do you check on him? I don't even believe a cop should be a cop or should want to be a cop without a, a body camera because a body camera protects a good cop. Think about that. A body camera will protect a cop who is doing his right job. And I often give this scenario. If anybody's out there listening and you're a cop, think of this scenario. You are a cop on the beat at 2 in the morning. You pull up to a 7-Eleven and you see two young people, two, let's just say you're a white cop and there's two young black gentlemen and one's got a gun and he's got it at his side. He's walking towards the 7-Eleven uh, with the other guy. Now, what does the cop do? He pulls up and he says, hey, stop, hold it. This guy points the gun right at the cop. The cop gets the jump. He shoots the guy. The guy falls down. The gun falls away. The other kid picks up the gun and runs away. Nobody's on camera because the car was facing a different way. So there's no body camera on the cop. No camera from the 7-Eleven was facing the side of the building. He didn't have it. All of a sudden, cop says, I, you know, we got a shot guy here. He had a gun. The other guy ran. Who believes the cop? Now, he might be right, but who believes him? Not many people especially in today's climate. So now the cop is trying to defend himself that he did the right thing, and he has a dead kid and no gun and his story. Do you believe him? It's pretty hard. You know, it's really, as sad as it is, it's pretty hard because we had so many shootings, so many issues with cop abuse that you got to say, wait a minute, is this really true? Now, if they had a body cam on that cop, the whole thing is on the, on the, on the camera, and it's a clean shooting, and as sad as it is, the cop is going to be cleared, and he's going to get psychological for whatever training or issues he might have. He's going to get those, and what's going to happen? He is going to be cleared and back on the job, and he did the right thing, and he probably pre prevented a robbery and maybe a killing of a clerk in a 7-Eleven. Now he's a hero in my mind. But now with no body cameras, is he a hero, or is he a guy that just shot a black kid because he thought he was going to you know, do something wrong? That's sad 
But that's why body cameras are needed. Trust me, if I was a cop in any city in the world, I would totally not go to that apartment unless they had body cameras. I wouldn't do it. Now, you'll have people, what's what's the, the uh, I, why don't we have body cameras? Don't, don't, don't give the money issue, because that, that's, that's a bullshit issue. You can't even say that with, with a straight face to me and say, oh, it's all about money. That, that doesn't hold water at all. You'll get the money, you can get it in any number of ways. I mean, you find money for bullshit, you can find money. Listen, I mean, there's so many things that they can get the money. They have confiscation funds, there's so many ways. The money is no issue, and it should never be an issue. So now, what's your next thing? Privacy? Well, you should have it on at all times. Unless you're in the bathroom alone, you can cut it off. Do you do your business in the bathroom, come out and put it on or have it on where it automatically goes on? I mean, that is what happened. It shouldn't be able to be shut off. Any cop that has a body camera and all of a sudden it's shut off, that cop, that, that cop should be fired. I, I'm watching the, uh, I watch this channel and you guys should watch it on you. I'm a YouTuber, big time. I mean, I'm always, you know, scouring YouTube looking for good stories, uh, checking out other people's stuff. There's a channel called Lackluster, and Lackluster does what they call First Amendment audits. This guy posts videos of other people who around the country do what they call First Amendment audits by testing the police if they know. And people say, oh, just you should comply with the police. No, no, you shouldn't comply. You got rights. You should. They should know your rights, and they should respect your rights. Right, wrong, or indifference, that's what this country is built on. Well, they have these audits, and I saw so many, so many cops that one cop pulls over a, another cop, talks to him. The guy was drunk, and they let him off. You can watch it. It's a great video. And then the cops all turn their cop body cameras off. They turn them off so you can't hear what's going on now. If that's not bullshit, if, if, if people aren't fired for that, then, then you have a bullshit system. You have a bullshit system where you can hit the button. No, they should make these cameras and they have the technology. You can't put that button. You cannot shut that button off. When you're on duty, it's on. End of story. You want to be a cop? It'll protect you and it'll protect citizens. And we don't need cell phone footage. You know, you think back of George Floyd and uh, if there wasn't cell phone footage of that horrendous killing, if you don't think a body cameras. I don't even know if they had body cameras. I don't think they even had body cameras. If they did, they never showed them. This is George, or did they show him? I don't even, I, I forget. But they had footage of, cell phone footage of this guy kneeling on the guy's neck for almost 10 minutes and not giving up. I mean, the guy just pleading for his life. They don't give a shit. I mean, that guy had, that guy had a, uh, that guy had a facial expression that was psychopathic. That guy was like, like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to kill this guy. I mean, as much as this did, I don't know who he was trying to impress, the people on the street that I can do this or whatever. And, it, and, and you think about that. Oh, my God, if this is not the sickest thing in the world. Now, if anybody ran out there and tried to save that guy, they would have shot that guy. Even if they got off the neck then, you know, you got to prove why you interfered with police action. It's so wrong in so many ways what is going on with that kind of stuff today, that we need accountability. Accountability, accountability, accountability on everybody. Listen, when you give a person the power to arrest and take a person's liberty and life under the color of law, we need more training. We need better applicants. We need higher pay. So if you're a cop out there, I will support 
Higher pay for cops. Big time higher pay. Don't give them a gun, a badge, and a car, and we think we're giving them something. Give them monetary so they don't have to steal. Give them monetary so a cop don't have to go. They had a police department around here. The cops were on welfare. Think of that. Food stamps. Food stamps. Cop. Come on, man. How do you tell a guy to go out there with a clear head and he's got he's worrying about feeding his children? You can't. That's terrible, everybody. A cop should have make on enough money, and I mean good money, that he can be comfortable in his life, but then be trained the right way and do and go through psychological evaluations and get rid of these people. And here, I know you're getting every chief of police. We can't hire people. Well, you know what? I'd rather have less people than bad people. Because the minute you have bad people, you're going to have bad incidents that happen and bad results. That alone should say it all. If it doesn't, something is wrong. I'd rather literally have nobody there. And I mean that. And I, I'd rather say, listen, we can't. We have a police department. It's 150 cops. And we can only, only have 100 qualified cops. Well, that's what we got to do. And whatever the bullshit, the little crap they're doing might have to go by the wayside. And we have to put people on just alert for serious incidents. And I believe in that. I'm a big believer in that. Give good cops good money with the proper training, proper psychological training, and then put them on the streets. We put them in a six-month academy. They don't know shit. And they come out and they think they're a fucking badass and they're a cop now and they got a badge and a gun. And they do. And they got this. And they don't need a license to carry that gun. They went through the academy. Give me a break. Finland, three-year, three-year. Belgium, three-year academies. These are police academies in other countries, three years. Here in the United States, six months. Make them a cop. We need them. We need more people. Then they have some incidents they're not doing right, and they go to another police department. And here's the problem. I mean, they did try to stop this. They, they, I think there was a couple of laws or, or passed that, you know, every cop who has an incident that's negative, it goes in his record, and when he goes to another department, they have to know about it and everything else of that nature. Because at one point, you can be a fuck-up cop in some police department, you know, say I quit before the investigation of you is done, and then go to another police department and, and, and be a, you know, a cop without anybody saying anything, because this police department didn't have the either the, the uh, background checks on that cop from the other police department. It should be on every police department to report. Again, you know, the best way I can just say this is we need to police the police. The police need to police themselves. I got on this tangent the police because it's all about cops and it's about guards. Now, guards are a whole nother story. In private prisons, guards are paid $12 an hour. Are you fucking kidding me? Go down to Walmart. Go down to McDonald's. I mean, when I heard some of the salaries, of these, I, I felt bad for them. I said, are you kidding me? And now you're expecting these guys to be over 50 guys, 100 guys at a time in a dorm, and now they're pissed, and they're seeing these other guys with money. You don't think they're going to take money? You don't think they're going to do I, I don't even blame the cop. And I say cop guard. I don't blame a guard who gets paid shit that he gets a kickback for bringing in cigarettes or bringing in creatine or bringing in, you know, uh, uh, some, you know, muscle drug or powder or some bullshit. And he's getting that because he's making money to bring it. I, I really don't blame him because I can't say I wouldn't do it. But I mean, I wouldn't be a cop. But my point is, I can't honestly say I, I don't blame them. Now, integrity-wise, they lose their own integrity, but they know that going in, you know, that what's going to happen or not. 
And they know that. Obviously, they know that. And that's what's the difference. So now you have guards that don't care. They fall into a clique in the prison. And before you know it, they're their own gang. And what people said is true. The biggest gang in prison is not the Aryan Brotherhood or Sereno's Aztecas, MA, or uh, well, any other you know, uh, Aztecas or whatever. Latin King, Nietas, G27s, Dirty White Boys, Aryan Brotherhood, Aryan Circle, uh, Crips, uh, GD, uh, Black Gorilla Family, whatever they are. It, they're the little gangs. The biggest gangs are the ones with the keys. And it's just what it is. And I know people are going to, some people say, well, it's not all like You're right. It's not all like that. And I'm not saying it's all like that. I'm saying there is a big percentage of it today because we don't pay them enough. We don't train them enough. And, they, and they're not trained in psychological ways. You know, you look at other prisons like Sweden and Norway, Germany. Most of those guards have psychological degrees. Yes, psychological degrees. And they have uh, ways, uh, life skill training. They have so much more than just, here's how you handcuff someone. Here's how you put their hands behind their back and make sure they don't, you know, do something. Here's how you put leg cuffs on. All that bullshit that, yes, you do need, but that's one-day bullshit. Why don't you get it into really where you can help people? That's my, my goal in hearing everything about that. I mean, I'm going to get off on this subject. This is a great Monday. I want you guys to know, listen, this is a very passionate topic with me. I can go on forever, and I'm not going to. I'll be back this Friday, and we'll probably have my brother on, and we'll be talking to my brother. You know, I love to rap with him when we're sitting in the office here and smoke a cigar. And this time it was just me. And we have this podcast every Monday and every Friday at 8 a.m. It comes out. Listen to it on any of your favorite, uh, favorite platforms, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever podcast you listen to, you can listen to us. You'll find us. Just Google The Real Deal with Larry Lawton. The Real Deal with Larry Lawton. You'll find the podcast. And, and pass it on, please. We really appreciate that. Send me an email. Listen, Larry at realitycheckprogram.com. That's Larry at realitycheckprogram.com. Please go online, check, send me an email, topics, stuff like that. We're going to have a call-in show here soon, and that's going to be fun. And you can go to Discord. My uh, Larry Lawton official Discord is, is a server, and we, we have 16,000 people on there. And we're going to let them know how they can call in and give a number, and we'll talk to them on the air. And, and discuss a whole bunch of stuff, which I think will be a lot of fun. So just remember out there, be proactive. You know, get involved in the game in whatever way you think you need to get involved in the game. Stay strong, stay healthy, do the right thing by people. Always help people. I always tell you, please make good choices. I'd rather talk to you here than hear that you went to prison. Because, you know, so I hear some crazy emails, and I read them. Believe it or not, I read so many emails some of them are very sad, some of them are very powerful, some are hate mail against me, which so be it. You know, never please everybody. I, I tell the way I feel. I told you this is a real deal podcast where I'm going to say it like it is, good, bad, or indifference. And, you know, and I'm, I'm the first one to tell you I am not a perfect person. I am far from it. I am, a, I think, a good man who tries to help people. And, and I want to keep doing that. I know there's parents out there that have troubled children, troubled young people, troubled adults. Don't ever give up on them. Uh, yes, don't be, enable them. Yes, you might have to expect the hard way. 
but don't give up on them. You know, no matter what, how bad they are, I often tell parents, look at me. I went to prison at 34, got out at 46 years old. It's a bad guy, but people change. So don't ever give up. Don't accept it. Don't accept the bad. Don't enable the bad. Don't keep bailing them out. Don't do a lot of things, but don't give up on them. That's the difference. There's a big difference there. So with that said, I want to really thank you all for listening. I love these things. I love the podcast. I think it's a great podcast, and I really hope you guys have a great day. Please, everybody, have a, have a great, great day, and make sure make one good choice every day. Have a great day, everybody.